Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host, David Altizer, with Connor McCaskill. And we are coming back at you a month later from the initial iPhone 15 reaction episode, which was the last time we had this show. And on that show, we did discuss that we are going to be doing audio only and bi-weekly with these shows. Well, I guess we kind of lied because it's been about a month, but (laughs) here we are. We tried. Um, And I am so grateful to have this show. We're going to continue to do it. Connor and I started talking this week about kind of just getting back on the wagon again. So, So here we are. Hello. Hi. (laughs) so a lot has happened in the last month and there's a lot of rumors and a lot of interesting news in the camera and tech space i kind of got started again on my channel i have a a second channel that i'm posting gear reviews on and connor's been traveling and he's in the middle of a huge project as well and then both he and i since the last time we talked you know, we were just talking about our initial thoughts about the iPhone 15 Pro, but since then we both have received our iPhone 15 Pros. We've used them. I actually completely shattered and broke my first one and got a replacement unit. I helped uh, you shatter that. Yeah. So I was balancing <laughs> my my phone, my, my brand new, I think it was like three day old iPhone 15 Pro on Connor's trunk at nighttime because we were doing a shoot it was late at night. I was using the flashlight. I was balancing it on the trunk. I failed to tell Connor that I was doing that. And he just slammed the trunk and the <laughs> phone was wedged between the, the the hinge of the trunk and the trunk itself. So it literally just sandwiched it and completely crushed it. It was pretty funny. It is pretty incredible that I didn't snap it in half because I typically, as any normal human does, close the trunk with force. But uh, I heard a nice solid crunch sound, which stopped <laughs> me. And I was like, ooh, that's, I was like, something happened. What's happening? And then I found his phone and I was like, uh oh, big, big sad. Uh, <laughs> but to our surprise, the only thing that kind of was shattered was the back. The back glass was definitely shattered. And but the the front and I didn't have a screen I didn't have a screen protector. I had a very kind of simple case. It wasn't a very super protective case, but I did have a case on it. It was it was shattered. And when I was like, oh, I guess it's fine. You know, the screen works. I've got Apple Care, so I took it into the Apple Store, and I was expecting a thirty dollar just like replacement on the back or whatever because I think that's the new adjustment price for a back glass replacement with Apple Care, and. I laid it on a table at the Apple store and noticed that the entire phone was actually warped and like it wasn't laying flat. So the phone actually bent and the back was shattered. So when they, t- when they looked at it, they were like, yeah, you, you need a replacement unit. And, and I was like, you know, have you seen this before? And they're like, well, this is our first 15. <laughs> Congratulations. This is the first 15 replacement we've had. Although Granted, it was only four days after everybody received them. So yeah, we were speed um, running, getting your iPhone replaced. Yeah, for sure. And it was great. We had no issues. Everything's fine. And I've been careful ever since. So <laughs> good. Yeah. So we'll, we'll talk about our experience with the iPhone 15 Pro. I've done a lot of tests. I've had a couple of YouTube videos that I've done on it. Connor did a YouTube video on his mm-hmm. as well. We've both kind of used it off and on in our travels. I went to Dallas to Vid Summit, and I can share some of my thoughts about that too towards the end of the episode. 
But we've got a couple of rumors and a couple of kind of follow-up uh, topics to discuss. And we'll start with the Lumix G9, which is Panasonic's newest Micro Four Thirds camera. And it's got the new, new phase detect sensor, the G9 Mark II. And Connor got a unit from Panasonic. He did his review and then he was kind enough to let me borrow it. And I, with permission of Lumix, I did send them an email and they were fine with it. I was able to make a video as well. And I'm a huge fan of Panasonic. I'm a big fan of Micro Four Thirds. I was super jazzed about the G9, but Connor, what, <laughs> what's what been the response over the last month on this camera? Yeah, I was pretty jazzed about it too. I, I got to play around with it for a while. It seems like a pretty strong camera, but apparently the sales on the camera, according to, I think it's mirrorlessrumors.com, uh, they're very low, or I think the word they used is extremely low. <laughs> so it kind of brings into question, like, what's going on? Why is the G9 Mark II, which is a decent camera, failing so much? And I think it has to do with just micro four thirds, right? Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, I think it's more the price, really. Because okay, when it's all set, hear, yeah, hear me out. It's kind of a weird pickle that Panasonic kind of put themselves in. And that's a, a bit of a tongue twister, what I just said, by the way, because Panasonic themselves have an S5 Mark II for sale, which is a full frame camera. It actually shares the exact same body as the G9 II. And that camera right now on b is 1997. And it says you can buy one used for 1757. The G9, and that's without any sale, 1997 is its main price. The G9 Mark II... 1997 is a great year, by the way. <laughs> that was that was the year you were born, right? Yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the, the G9 Mark II is literally $100 cheaper. It's 1897 So that's kind of the problem is like, it's so close to the S5 II that it doesn't make a ton of sense to go down to such a tiny sensor that's going to obviously have the limitations of a tiny sensor when it comes to low light, dynamic range, overall image quality, even though the sensor is fantastic. I was very, very impressed with the image quality coming off of the camera with the low light performance for a micro four thirds camera, but it just does not hold a candle to full frame. And as much as I love full micro four thirds and the small lenses and stuff. Even when I was running my tests, I was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, full frame is cleaner and the S5 two is the same size. So you're not getting any benefit with like quote downgrading to the G9 two because it's the exact same size camera. It's still kind of a bulky camera Kind of. It's really not. But for a micro four thirds, it, it could be much smaller. Well, that's so, actually one of the things that I was seeing on the forum for that article I sent you. A, a couple people were commenting. They're like, yeah, I really like the camera. It looks really great. All the specs sound great, but it's just too big. And I think you're right. For a micro four thirds camera, the expectation is that it's going to be a lot more compact. Mm -hmm. Now, obviously, in my opinion, they did that to save on cost, although it is still really close to the S5 II. I don't know. Yeah. It, it is a little bit of a peculiar camera when it comes to the size and price point. Yeah. And I think I said this in my video, but I, I think it's true. It's it's not that the G9 II is expensive. It's that the S5 II is cheap. And so yeah. that's kind of the issue is like Panasonic had to make, and I don't know if you coined that term, 
Connor, did you coin that or did I? Coin, I don't remember. Did coin coin what? Just that quote, you know, the S52 is cheap. I don't, I don't remember. Know. One of us, we we say the, almost the same things these days. <laughs> but anyways, it's a good quote. I'll give you credit for it. Oh, okay, sure. I'll take it. <clears throat> Though I genuinely don't remember who came up with it. But regardless, <laughs> the the Panasonic S52 is just playing in a different category because it has to compete with the a7 IV. it has to compete with the canon r6 it has to compete with even if you really want to include nikon you know the zf for the uh the z6 or whatever it's I just in a different category i guess so that's kind to- of the thing it's like if the s52 and 2x was closer to the 2500 mark maybe they gave us just like a slightly higher quality body or something that compensate for the extra 500 bucks the G9 Mark II coming in just under $2,000, like, oh, that would make so much more sense. Yeah, but it is. Sure. It, it is the case. The S52 is so affordable. It's like, that's just, why wouldn't you pick that camera? Yeah. And even if you're a Micro Four Thirds shooter and you have been for a long time, it can be really tempting to just see the S52 and be like, you know what? You know, it might be time to just sell my kit, sell all the lenses, sell all my older bodies, put that towards a full frame system like the S52 if you're a Panasonic shooter if you've been shooting on the GH6 or the GH5 for a long time you know maybe it would be worth going up to the full frame and i do think the image quality i mean obviously is better the the full frame is significantly better but the G92 if you've already got all the lenses and you're happy with it and you just want better autofocus and you want to have the advancements of the newer bodies and the newer processors, then it is still a great camera. It's just a bit of a shame that the sales are extremely low, according to the rumors. So I will expect that camera to be on sale, maybe even as early as this holiday season based off of that feedback, but we'll have to see. And if that's the case, you know, for $14.99, it is looking a little bit better for that price point. Yeah, I think if you can get a solid deal on it, it, like we said, it's a stellar camera. It's just in a weird place. For sure. All right. So I think we might have mentioned this in an earlier show, but it seems to be quite confirmed now. And that is that Canon is opening up its RF line finally. So that means we're going to start to see third-party lenses coming to RF. I don't know why Canon took this long to do that. That was quite a terrible business move based off of meeting and and actually becoming friends with a man who who works at Canon. It does seem as though that Canon is a little bit stuck up. So that may be why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the thing is, is I feel like I've heard that Canon and other camera manufacturers, they don't necessarily make their money from the camera bodies. Mm-hmm. They make their money from the lenses. So I think their idea going into it was we'll make a new mount and we'll lose some money on the bodies, but or maybe just not make very much on the bodies, but we'll make it all back on lenses because we're not going to do third-party lenses. So that was like their little stuck-up strategy to make all that money. But And I'm sure it worked in a way because anyone who did buy the Canon R5, the R6, the original R anything along those lines and you wanted to get an RF lens, a native lens, you had to buy a Canon lens. So I think in a lot of ways it probably did work, but in another way, it probably significantly hurt them because tons of people wouldn't even consider the RF Canon system because the lenses are so expensive and they Mm -hmm. just had no other options. Yeah. And I mean, I would 
definitely love to see just more and more lenses coming to the RF lineup. I mean, imagine just all the incredible Sigma and even Tamron lenses finally coming to RF and as a Canon C70 shooter and owner and I think now officially keeper of the camera. I know I've talked about selling it a lot, but I just can't get myself to sell it. I just love the image off of it still. I I find it to be some of the best and I love the built-in NDs and everything. So I'm going to definitely hold on to that camera for a while and seeing like some cropped official Sigma RF-S lenses coming to Canon would be sweet. So we'll see. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Connor, why don't you talk about the Fuji rumor? Yeah, sure. So Fujifilm, I don't think they're doing any more official announcements for the end rest of the year. However, there is a good bit of rumor and speculation around the successor to the X100V, the very, very, very popular and hard to get X100V. And looks like they're going to be calling it the X100R. Now, my first impression with that would be the X100R for resolution. But according to FujiRumors.com, they're saying, no, the R is actually going to stand for Roku, which stands, (laughs) which means six in Japanese. So, you know, five, six, it makes sense. However, and not the the Apple TV competitor device. (laughs) Yeah, not not that from Walmart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's funny. No, no, no. Uh, (laughs) So Fuji Fuji is getting into set top set top boxes. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bold new strategy from Fujifilm. They're really expanding their market. However, even though it doesn't stand necessarily for resolution, my best guess is that it's going to have the X-T5 sensor in it because that just makes sense that's what they did with the v it had the xt4 sensor in it Mm -hmm. so it would just make a lot of sense and therefore it will be a higher resolution i what is the resolution on the xt5 is it 40 is it 40 megapixels can't remember off the top of my head 40 yeah Mm -hmm. so that means we'll have a 40 megapixel little pocket beast camera with some nice swanky vibes and i'm quite looking forward to that so maybe i'll hold out on getting the v and wait for the 100r next year yeah i mean that will be exciting and i'm sure it'll sell like crazy (laughs) whenever it does come out yeah it'll have to i mean there's tons of other cameras that are all speculated to be at least announced next year like the x pro 4 the xc5 xt40 and some other stuff which is all great i love fujifilm they do they make great stuff and then our last kind of rumor for the day and it's an interesting one and we're back to the panasonic category and that is that panasonic there's apparently a patent going around that shows a camera with a variable built-in electronic nd filter and the drawing looks very similar to like an S1H or an S, you know, like a bigger, chunkier kind of S series camera. It definitely looks like a full frame sensor. And yeah. by the way, I'm I'm viewing this on fourthirdsrumors.com. They're the ones who shared this one. Not necessarily meaning that this is a four a four-thirds camera, but it could be. It could be the GH7 potentially. But there's like a little knob on the front like below the lens on the bottom left kind of where I guess your left hand would rest if you're you know often when you're holding a camera your left hand holds the lens well your hand could easily go over to this little knob on the front and 
turn it and <laughs> apparently it adjusts the filter and it's saying it's an electronic indie filter. So I'm not sure if that means that it's literally like the, the Sony one from FX six, which is actually some sort of magical electronic thing, but it, based off of the patent, it looks like it's got gears and like levers and there's like two stages of indie there where it actually physically puts a filter in front of the sensor. And I would imagine that's the case. Cause I would assume that Sony or whoever owns some sort of patent on whatever they're doing for their cameras. I don't know, but regardless, this would be exciting. This is something that a lot of people have been kind of begging the, especially the video nerds have been telling all the mirrorless creators, like, please make a camera, make a mirrorless hybrid camera with a built-in ND. And if that happens like that, really, I know, I feel like we've said this a lot over the years, like if they just had 4k 60, if they just had <laughs> phase detect, if they just had we'll always a have screen, another want, you know? but now it's like, if they just have an ND filter, but I guarantee you, here's my thing. Here's my guess is if okay. this is real, I don't think you can put IBIS in it anymore. I think they're going to have to remove the IBIS motors mm. and whatnot and put this in. And so then the conversation will be, if they could just have this with IBIS, it's like, so. Yeah, you're right. Cause this does look like it's going to take up a ton of space just looking at yeah. the patent. And if that's the case, it makes me think maybe it'd be more in line with a G eight seven without IBIS. Sure. Uh, or, or maybe a variant of yeah. G H seven something, you know, they'll put like a N or something, you know, for ND. Yeah. It's like, you could pick, you know, if you want the IBIS version or the non, whether it's the S2H N or the S2H normal. Although to be honest, there's a lot of cinematographers and we're, you know, in the kind of higher end of things that typically don't like IBIS. And I mean, to be fair, I do think for the most part, when you're talking about like proper cinema, when it's a music video, when it's, you know, a short film or whatever, I really think the IBIS can be very distracting. It has that warpy wobbly kind of thing going on with it. Yeah. Even Although, if it's really good, it, it can have issues, but. Yeah. I mean, but the, the, the thing about that is that typically if you're talking a more traditional setup, the camera's so heavy. So. Sure a heavy camera where you built it out, maybe you're rocking an easy rig, even if you're just hand holding it, that weight kind of dampens the shakes. And that's why these smaller cameras, IBIS is nice because you're just hand holding it and it gets those handshakes out of your footage, although sure. it introduces new problems. But I don't know that this camera would be heavy enough unless you really rigged it out to make that a good thing that it doesn't have <laughs> IBIS specifically. Sure. Well, regardless I think this is cool. I certainly would be interested in in something like this. Again, as a C70 user, you know, that camera does not have IBIS. I don't expect the update to that camera to have it either. Right. But it does have a decent electronic stabilization mode. And I would imagine Panasonic would also add something like that to their camera as well. Some sort of electronic stabilization of some sort. That's fair. So it should have something in it to kind of get those little handheld jitters out. Yeah, um, and I guess lens stabilization is still a thing. Yeah, for sure. So pretty cool. That's cool. Cool rumors. Yeah, so, yeah definitely some good stuff. Main topic. Do, 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 do. <laughs> what is it, Connor? We are right. We already uh, teased it at the front. But. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, we ha we have the iPhones now, so we have <laughs> we have opinions. We have tested it. We both have videos on 
the old tuber channels. So definitely go check out <laughs> DVD Dave, David, t- DVD D- David Altizer. No, it's just DVD, DVD Dave. DVD, DVD Altizer. Altizer. I know that's your it. channel. <laughs> well, that's Anyways. my. It's been my throwaway channel, but for some reason it has been working. <laughs> so I'm now just kind of back on it again, having fun. We could talk about that later, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, the DVD Altizer, which if anybody hasn't picked up on it yet, it's basic. It's David with the vowels taken out, right? And it's a play on video nerd stuff DVDs, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get Anyways, it. I grew up in the early 2000s. So tell us your configuration with regard to color, size, and case, no case, etc. Give me give me your setup. So initially when I had the phone on order, I was going with the blue titanium because I had it in my heart and soul that it was going to look like the iPhone 12 Pro Pacific mm-hmm. blue. However, when I showed up at the Apple store, I was wrong. I was looking at it on display and I'm like, mm, that's a little different. That's a little off. It's not as nice. I don't think I like it. And they were nice enough to let me switch the color. So I ended up getting the natural titanium, which I think you did as well. Although it was my first choice. <laughs> well, look at you. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm... No, I'm coughing. I'm, I need oh. like water. So I'm muting myself whenever I'm <clears throat> coughing. Sorry. Do you need to take a quick break and go grab some? <clears throat> no, I have water here. I just was, when I was talking, I was running out of talkability. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So I went with the 15 pro. I did not get the max or whatever they call it. The big one. Cause I just do not want a phone that large to me. It's really obnoxious, but that's just, I'm just being really particular, I guess. But I, I think it's just way too big. It feels like a more like an iPad mini than a phone at a certain point. So I went the regular one and it's been great. I really love this iPhone so far. That's awesome. And you're not case, no case. Oh, that's right. No case. If I'm going to have a phone that looks this purdy, I'm not going to put a case on it. I am paying for Apple care. So if I shatter yeah. my phone in the back of my trunk, then, uh, <laughs> you know, it's only a uh, hundred bucks. For sure. Cool. So I, like you said, have a natural titanium 15 pro non max neither one of us got the max i used to be a biggie phone a biggie phone boy for a while because typically they had better cameras and and in this case they they still do they have the 5x a zoom which does seem very tempting i've seen a lot of tests and it's very impressive for sure it looks really nice but the last couple years i have gone down to the standard size, and I'm very happy that I did. It's it's the correct size for sure. Yeah. Um, in fact, I kind of wish it was smaller, though this year it does seem a little bit smaller. I think it's just a slight, I think it is slightly smaller. The I'm bezels. Not, so I'm here's not, what happened. Okay. So what happened is there's less bezels on the display if you look at a 14 and a 15 next to each other there's the the screen is larger technically on the 15 or so it seems but the screen size is the same as last year so they just shaved the edges off to make it Mm. slightly smaller but the screen size is the exact same size but there's less bezels right and the other thing to consider to the fact that it feels smaller 
which it is, but it, it's so it's lighter. Minute. It's lighter. Yeah, exactly. It's so yeah. much lighter, actually. The 14 Pro coming from the 12, the 14 Pro is so heavy. It was, was so a chunky boy. It was so thick. And so they corrected that with the 15 Pro. Way, way lighter. Like it's it's noticeable. You pick it up and you're like, oh, 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 this is this is great. I love this. Perfect. Good job. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The cameras are still hilariously massive. I've gotten used <laughs> to it now, but yesterday or a couple days ago, we had a little birthday party for my my boys. They have similar you know, they're two years apart, but their birthdays do happen to land about two weeks from each other in October. So we had a double birthday party and one of, one of my son's friend's mom, who is friends with my wife, they were talking and she had the 11, the iPhone 11 pro or whatever. Was it, was were they calling it pro back then? I think probably, I don't remember anymore. Yeah, I think so. I think that was the first year they did it. But anyways, and I was, I was looking, I was looking at her phone because she was just holding it facing out and she had like a clear case. And it was that, it was that kind of bluish color that they had back then. Was that the Pacific blue year? No, the um, Pacific blue was the 12. The 11 was green, which was also a really cool color. That's right. No, there was a, there was a blue. There was like a blue, the 11 oh. pro. I forget what color they're calling it. The yeah, blue was not the pro. It was the regular. No, it, I'm looking at it right now. Okay. 11 uh, pro. Very blue. Blue. I mean, is that... No, that's the, tw- that's, that's the 12. Okay. What? Blue color. Hold on. We're going to have to cut this out now. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. 11 pro... Uh, colors. Colors. Yeah. Let's see what comes oh up. yeah, they had a no. green. Yeah, it was they green. Had a green. They had a green that year. That's right. The regular eleven has a blue. It's like a bluey, minty color. Yeah. No. So she had that. I guess that green. I think I had that one. I think that's the one I had that year. Yeah. Uh, no, you did. I remember you did, right? I did. You I definitely. Not? I did. I had the green one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. So yeah. So I'm sorry. I was confused. Yeah. The twelve was the Pacific blue, your favorite color, but. The 11 Pro did have, maybe, would you even, now that you're looking back at it, would you say maybe your second favorite color? That's a good color. Yeah, that's, like that's a probably the, green. Probably. Or the, the, I don't know, the natural titanium is kind of nice. Ah, the green is good too, though. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of greenish blue. Anyways, she she had an 11 Pro. I haven't seen one in a while. And man, those cameras were so small back then. Holy crap. And And I think even at the time, we thought those were big, you know? <laughs> so... We, like you know seeing it in person, is, it's like shocking how small the little lenses were back then. Yeah, I'd, I'll be honest. I didn't really realize that they were getting larger from phone to phone. I kind of assumed they were the same from the 11 on, but now I'm looking at a render from Apple of the 11 Pro, and it, you're right. It's substantially less protrusive, uh, intrusive. Yeah, if you look at a lineup of all of the phones from 11 to 15 you can see how it's literally like year over year they literally get bigger and bigger and bigger and even 14 to 15 from last year they're bigger this year too so but that's good i mean it's it is a it is a physical limitation when it comes to low light and and whatnot with lenses and i mean to to me like just make it as big as it needs to be, as big as it can be. 
to fit in my pocket fairly comfortably. I will suffer with a big chunky lens to get a beautiful image. I'm happy with it. But I think a lot of like normal people probably think it's ridiculous, but I would imagine. Yeah. What do you think but, of that? The, remember when they had the Leica phone? I think they still kind of do. And it has that giant camera on the back. Would you be chill with that <coughs> if that was an iPhone? You know what I'm Maybe. talking about, right? Have yeah, you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. I saw Mr. Who's the Boss did a video on that, but yeah. Yeah. Like a f camera phone. With, that was a Huawei. Yeah. Yeah. Big old chunky camera on the back. Yeah. I mean, I'd be down. That'd be sick. Yeah. iPhone would be crazy. That'd yeah. Be awesome. They just like commit to one lens, but it's like a super awesome high quality one. Or maybe that's just an option. Yeah. I don't know. Could be cool. I don't know. But regardless. So yeah, I, I got the 15 Pro natural non-max and I got the base storage. I got 128 gigs and I am rocking a clear case. I got a little bundle off Amazon. It is a Spigen clear case. I'm fairly happy with it. The thing I, let me take that back. I, there's aspects of this case that I do enjoy. The buttons are wonderful. They've nailed the buttons. Have you ever used like a third party case and the buttons just don't click and it just feels awful? I haven't used a third party case since the iPhone 4. Nice. And okay. Well, I do remember them being awful. You can imagine it. That was a while ago. <laughs> yeah. Usually they're terrible, but they've done a fantastic job. And I've actually heard from people who have bought the Apple fine woven case and then the, the Apple silicon cases this mm -hmm. year, that Apple made the USB-C hole too small on the cases. So like if you're using anything other than an Apple USB-C cable, it doesn't fit. Of course, you know, they would do this. Yeah. Um, well, it's the same with the, I had the four. I had the 14 Pro in a leather case and same thing on that. The I could only use Apple cables with it or I had to take <laughs> off the case. Yeah. So they like to keep their margins thin, but this case has a nice big open USB-C hole. But the thing I hate about this case, and I, I, I do like the clear because I want to see my nice natural titanium. But the thing I hate about it is it just feels slimy. Like, oh. and I don't, and I am not, like I'm not a tacky hand guy. I know there's a lot of people who have tacky hands who are just born with kind of tacky, sweaty hands. And mm -hmm. I, I feel sorry for those people because I don't think that there's anything you can do about it. It is what it is. And that it's totally fine. Totally great. You, the, you, in fact, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you can grip, you can grip onto things way better That's than right. most people. You're like but, a human geckos. But my, my brother is, is that type of person. And I remember we would be playing video games together and he would, you know, like maybe hand me the controller. And I, as soon as I would grab the controller, it was like sticky and wet from his hands. I was like, what, what the heck, man? I got to wipe this off with like rubbing alcohol. But anyways, I love my brother and it's, I guess, a condition and I don't want to like make fun of that by any means. That being would, said, right. this would you case... Would like a shovel to dig yourself a hole? <laughs> but that being said, this case feels as though I'm a tacky hand person and I'm not a tacky hand person. And it feels... Right. You do want to emphasize and that. Sticky. And I do not like the way this case feels. And for the last two years, for the... 13 and although no i didn't have a 13 i skipped the 13 i went from a 12 to a 14 for, for the 12 and the 14 and you know this i've had this kind of interesting little cork case yeah it's super thin i like the way it the reason i got it is because 
I've always kind of enjoyed cork. I feel like it's it's like it's got a nice feel and texture to it. Sure. And and I was like, somebody make a cork case. And sure enough, there's a company called 1521 that's based in where are they? They're based in some like, lavish location. They are from because cork comes from like a certain region. I think Iceland or something. Sweden. Sweden. Twenty one. They're from there's so 1521store.com if you want to check it out. They're a Swedish company and they only make cork content. <laughs> they make cork, cork uh, cases. Content. Love it. So they've got wallets, they've got cases, and they have made a 15 Pro cork case. <laughs> it sounds like I'm saying court case. <laughs> but I'm just I I was thinking about picking it up and it was a good case for the time, but unfortunately MagSafe doesn't transfer through it very well. And I'm using MagSafe so much these days. I use it to mount my phone on my car mount in my car. I use it to charge every night and it's just a piece of cork. So there's no metal or there's no like magnet kind of in between, which a lot of cases these days have a nice mag- magnetic ring built into it so that it kind of strengthens the MagSafe connection on the back of the phone. They say that it is MagSafe compatible, but it's just a super slim cork material. So yeah, it kind of works. You can, you you know, it probably magnetically sticks, but I don't, I feel like it wouldn't hold on my car mount. And so what I've resorted to in the last two years is I put a metal ring on the outside of it and that solves it. But then I got this stupid metal ring stuck to my case and it looks like trash. So I don't know. I probably won't get it. It doesn't look good after a year or two. It doesn't patina well. <clears throat> and so now I'm almost thinking, man, it'd be cool to get like a nice leather case. I've never really done a leather case since, you know, I think like iPhone 5S was the last time I did a leather case. And I do I like would, the uh, way leather feels. I, I liked my leather case when I had it, but I will also say it did not age well. <laughs> Well, um, they don't make leather cases anymore. Uh, they don't. I'm sure someone does if you really, really uh, want it. But Nomad makes some of the best looking cases. Um, yeah. But anyways, we're kind of rambling on about things that maybe you guys don't care too much about. I think it's fascinating and, and nerdy and fun. And yeah. I definitely would love to hear kind of what you guys have your setups, whether it's a 15 or an older phone or even an Android phone. I was going to uh, say, if you're an Android listener and you're listening to this, it's like, man, you're probably rolling your eyes. Like you probably rolled your eyes a few times listening to us ramble sure. on about iPhone and the stupid little niche problems that we have because our phone <laughs> choice is super dumb. I get it. I hear you, but I like it and I'm going to keep it. Okay. For sure. <laughs> so I'm still kind of in the market for a case, but my the reason I have this Spigen case is because it came with a screen protector. So the screen protector was $15 by itself, but for $20, I could get the screen protector and a case. So I was wow. like, sure, I'll just, I'll pay a so, little extra and get a free case essentially. So, so, I'm so it, it, it so. didn't, it didn't come with it and it wasn't free because you paid more for it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. But yeah, for only $5, I got right. a, for a only five more dollars, you'll get this case for free. <laughs> for only five dollars, you'll get a sweaty hand case. <laughs> yeah, well, you did get a five dollar case. So what'd you expect? <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I'm like, I don't know. Cases to me are so disposable. There's something that like I don't. I have a hard time spending a lot of money on because it it, 
it literally is just a thing to protect my phone. Mm-hmm. But then again, it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it needs to be high quality enough to protect your phone. And it's something you're holding every day. But I am, even with the court case, I would take it on and off. Like when I talk on the phone, I take my case off and I love to just hold my phone naked because <laughs> it feels yeah. so much better. <laughs> and sometimes I take the case off the phone too. <laughs> right. Of course. Um, Peak Design has some iPhone cases that look kind of nice, but I don't know if it works with the, yeah. um, well, it does work with MagSafe. Well, there you go. Yeah, that, It works that with case. MagSafe and it also has their own kind of proprietary oh. mounting system, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I've it, heard it a lot of cool. good things about it. I yeah. really have. Not a huge fan of Peak Design's style. It totally matches their bags. I've never liked their style. I think it's a little, it's a little Silicon Valley-ish. It doesn't look, I don't know, it doesn't look very stylish to me, but <laughs> whatever. Depends um, on the product. I despise some of their products and I really like some of their other stuff. So their, yeah, their tech their pouch, tripod's great. their tripod's mm. great and their tech pouch is really good. I, I use their tech pouch. It's like, it's not too terribly expensive and it's currently my favorite tech pouch i've used yeah i'm looking at that it's 60 dollars. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty it wow. is a little pricey but it's everything it's it's memory cards it's hard drives it's pins it, it's right it's just everything yeah, it, that you would want but it, it's got enough space you can kind of shove anything in there at the same time even though it has little organization slots mm-hmm. for everything it also just kind of has enough open space that like you want to shove your wallet in there for some reason you can or whatever even like small bottles of stuff if you if you really like i don't know like a small bottle of sunscreen or something if you really wanted to i wouldn't do that but you you could (laughs) it's kind of the perfect thing to put in your backpack when you're traveling right because you you put all your little doohickeys like charging ports and hard drives and And extra headphones the little side pouches i find are perfect there's like six side pouch slots they're perfect for camera batteries so i have six oh, nice. i have six canon batteries for when i do shoots with my canon camera and i i just tuck them all in there and i know that those are charged and then there's enough open space outside of that that when they're dead i just toss them in there so nice. i immediately know oh it's charged or dead it's a great pouch not sponsored <laughs> don't you, you take it and you put in a backpack that's not a peak design backpack though because yeah, i don't sure. i don't like their backpacks you know, some of those Nomad kind of McCrannan bags are looking pretty good. They're getting better, I think. They, um, they do look good. I just, they're so expensive. And I don't want to carry around Peter McKinnon merch either. Well, um, I don't mind that, but I, I just, the the bags are expensive. <laughs> For sure. But it's, it's such a, I was on the airport going to Vid Summit and there was a guy wearing the nomadic McKinnon backpack and you can, you know, when you know, you know, it's got that little badge on it with his little signature. Mm-hmm. And it's like within a split second, I'm like, Oh, there's a, either a YouTuber or probably a YouTuber or some sort of camera guy or a YouTube like, watcher. Yeah. Or YouTube watcher of some sort, but yeah, yeah, it's 300 bucks. I mean, that's how much these types of camera bags cost. I mean, that is just kind of the going rate of a What's, good camera bag. Is it 300 bucks? Oh, I guess. Oh, it's, at, on sa- it's on sale right now too. Ooh. Oh yeah. Offer ends in one day. All right. Well, <laughs> might be time to wear a Peter McKinnon signature. I, I do like the small one. The big one is ridiculous. Yeah, the, the 35L or is there one that's smaller? No, no, the 25 liter. Okay. 
Yeah. The 25 liter is, although once you, so the problem is you get the pack, the 25 liter pack. Oh, that one's even, oh, that's barely cheaper though. The 35 is much bigger. Well, the the 35 is $400 when it's not on sale. So just for context. (laughs) Yeah. But if you get the pack with the divider kit, which you're going to want and the cube, you want at least one cube, probably two though because the cubes are actually how it all gets organized. So once you get all the things, it's actually the small one is well, what do you three, need? 389. What do you need more than the camera backpack with divider 25L? That that seems like everything you need, right? The dividers are s- solid, but the cube system is a little I don't know. I like the cube system, but I guess the divider's cool too, but it's still uh, What's the cube? Is that when it's a divider inside of a yeah, Mini. and they can be removed and used as like separate bags. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that. I I never do that. It's just a thing that's sitting in my bag at all times. So I would just get the divider. Okay. Well, fair enough. Well, at that point, it's three thirty four. That's not so bad. Well, I'm. I mean, what are you talking about? Backpack and divider is two fifty one. Sale on B and H. Yeah, it's on sale. So tomorrow it won't be. By the time they <laughs> listen to this, it'll be three thirty four. <laughs> I know for sure. <laughs> I'm going to have to probably edit all this because it's so off topic, but I don't know. I don't want to edit it. We could, just Joe, we could just Joe Rogan this podcast. It's <laughs> Hopefully you guys are enjoying our no ridiculous edits. banter. Back to the main topic, iPhone 15 <laughs> Pro. So, oh, yeah. So I've been obviously using it as my only phone and capture device. I will say the photos are fine. I think the photos are definitely slightly better, but really where I'm most excited about with this camera with this system is the apple log and the usb-c port because we're still at the very beginning stages of this but because of usb-c it opens up a world of opportunity for accessory manufacturers to start to build grips and cages and accessories that can really expand out to be all sorts of things i mean imagine a grip that you just plug your phone into that has a USB-C connection port port on it. And then all of a sudden you get, you know, a hand grip, a tripod mount underneath, maybe even a little bit of battery juice built into it with, you know, a headphone jack, a mic input jack. It needs to have an SSD built in. That's really what matters. And then, yeah. And then either an SSD built in or an SD card slot or something, Mm, you know. That's true. Yeah. Keep it, keep it smaller. SD card slot. Yeah. You could use a, a micro SD card. Jevin did some tests with micro SD. And if you have a fast enough card, basically as long as your card is 200 megabits per second, you can you can record up to 4K 60 ProRes. Um, okay. So <clears throat> I've obviously done, you know, some tests with all this per my, my two reviews that I posted at the moment. I've also created my own LUTs. I also bought the domain iLUTs.com as well as... <laughs> mobilephonelutz.com I believe is another domain I own and nice. Apple Log Lutz I bought that one too. Um, wow. Get they ahead. all f- <laughs> they all forward to ilutz.com. Yeah, f- uh, phonelutz.com. I own that one. ilutz.com and applelogluts.com. So anyways, my thought is like that I'm going to I've never really been into the LUT <laughs> world. I've always kind of thought it was a bit of a a scam. (laughs) And I think a lot of it is, but 
the the truth is is because the iPhone 15 Pro is so popular. In fact, there was some like national news about it. It was actually one of the biggest turnouts at the Apple Store in a long time. I think there was just a pent up demand for you know USB C and you know, if you had an iPhone 11 or 12, it was fine. And it's kind of like year over year, 13 comes out, 14 comes out, nothing necessarily tempted kind of like normal people to upgrade. But now with USB-C and, you know, the dynamic Island is fully mature. Now you got the pro display, the promotion, which came out last year. But if, if you're coming from a 12, that's new to you too. It's like, this is kind of the time for, I feel like a lot of normal people to be like, all right, sure. Let's, let's move on to USB-C. This is what I've been waiting for, you know, and it's time for me to upgrade anyways. So there's just millions and millions of people who are now shooting on iPhones that are going to probably experiment with log who are not filmmakers who have no idea what that even is. They're just going to push the button and turn it on and be like, what's going on? Do a couple Google searches, maybe even see a couple YouTube videos that inspires them to do it in the first place. Like, wow, this looks so filmic. I want to try that. And then like, wait a minute, it looks like crap. How do I fix this? So my thought is like, there's going to be a lot of people who just don't have any idea what log is and they just need help. And they, they, you know, I, I would like to start maybe making some content around that. Just very simple. Like here's how to fix Apple log. Here's some LUTs that I've made. Here's some cinematic looking ones that you can apply on top of the conversion LUTs and and stuff like that. So at least that's my thought and my hope. I'm going to try to build a couple of them. But right now I do have a conversion LUT available for free. It's just much better than Apple's Rec. 709 LUT. Theirs is super contrasty and looks like an iPhone. It looks terrible. Yeah. Um, So mine is, you know, holding the highlights and the shadows, keeping good dynamic range while applying a nice saturation and overall pleasing image, both a daylight version and a tungsten version. So anyways, I've been having a lot of fun with Apple log and I think the most exciting thing about it, and we, we did kind of speculate on this on our last episode But the most exciting thing to me is the fact that now with Apple Log, you're finally cutting through the cruft of the Apple kind of, I don't even know what to call it, just the iPhone sharpness and it's it's tone mapping. It's it's iPhone's signature look. It's like every time you looked at footage, you're like, that's an iPhone. And now finally, because even with, oh, what's the, what's the app that everyone used for video? Filmic. Yeah. Filmic Pro. Yep. Even with Filmic Pro, it's like they couldn't get through all of the things that iPhone was doing that made it look like an iPhone footage. So now we're finally just getting information off the sensor without any of the BS. Yep. And it looks surprisingly good. It really does. I've been really, really impressed. I mean, it's 4K, it's 10-bit, it's 422, it's ProRes. And I do have a theory on why they're doing ProRes. It's a simple theory. (laughs) And I don't see why anybody has really talked about it. But I think the only reason they're limiting it to ProRes is to (laughs) encourage people to buy higher storage. (laughs) So, like, if it was able... uh, They did ProRes before. I know. Yeah, exactly. But like, why aren't they doing HEVC? The, the, oh, the chip see. is, the chip is capable of encoding HEVC. That's what it does. It does 10 bit H.265 HDR in the standard modes, but 
you can't you when you shoot Apple log, you're restricted to only shooting in ProRes. Whereas you could you could still get plenty of I mean you could still shoot 10 bit 422, but have it compressed in a much, you know, a much better package in H.265. But my guess is they're just kind of like artificially doing that. That's just kind of obviously a speculation, but sure. That's my guess is that they're artificially doing that to encourage people to buy the one terabyte version. <laughs> but <clears throat> obviously this year they allowed us to finally plug things in via USB-C, which means we can also, and I, I'm honestly quite surprised that they allow this, but you can record onto an SSD. And then what my video talked about on my channel is that you can also record to SD cards, which I think a lot of us kind of assumed, but Apple themselves never discussed on their marketing. Right. This is really exciting because, you know, I have the 128 gig version. I'm already <laughs> pretty close to filling it up all the way with just my photos and apps. And if I want to shoot ProRes, I don't have any room for that. You know, I've got like five minutes that I could record if that. And now because of the ability to offload to an SSD or an SD card while recording, that's completely removed. And from a production standpoint, if you really were using or are using an iPhone for like a real production, that's the way to go. You just, you shoot, you, you use the phone as a, a camera shell, and then you have a, a mount for your drives or your SD cards. You record onto the media. We're going to cut for lunch. All right. Unplug the drive, hand it to the DIT. He gives you a fresh one. You plug it in, you're ready to go. You know? Yeah. Like it's pretty amazing. It's actually able to fit in a real production environment now. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very exciting times for mobile videography. I mean, I, I think people have already been a lot converting to phones for social media content. Mm. I think this will just be another big push into that for a lot of us who have been holding out. I mean, I'm still going to keep my camera. You're still keeping your C70. But the, yeah, the new wave of log on phones. I mean, obviously iPhone's doing it first. It's going to come out with other phones as well, really. Or actually, can you do it on the Xperia, the the Sony phone? Is there yeah, S-Log3 so, in that? Yeah, so the, the Sony has been the only camera that came, came close to it. And we did discuss it on the show. And you can even record to a micro SD card, which right. has happened before. But... To be completely honest, I felt the color science, even though it had S Cinetone and I believe even S Log, it just didn't look good. It looked very, it just didn't have the dynamic range. It didn't look filmic. It had some of that sharpness going on, but it was, was it, very um, close. It was very, very close to be. Was it more like the old school Sony yeah, Log yeah, it, colors? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. So, but. I'm just really impressed with Apple. They've nailed the the log. It's really good. And I don't even know how much dynamic range it's holding, but it's very impressive. And I mm -hmm. think Gerald Undone did some tests. You, you can check out his his kind of test on that if you want to get into the, the weeds of it. But <clears throat> this is obviously just the beginning and it's going to get better year over year in terms of low light performance and, and features and whatnot. So they finally have removed that tone mapping that kind of plagued iPhone footage forever, which is even when you lock your shutter in an app like Filmic Pro, there was still kind of this kind of shadow HDR effect kind of going on 
that kind of just had a mind of its own and you couldn't control it. It would just kind of like, you could almost see it flickering in the background. And now when you lock your exposure, whether you're in an app like the black, the new black magic app, which is quite incredible and a bit of a nail in the coffin for filmic pro, or if you're even just using the built-in camera app, if you lock the exposure, it does not flutter. It does not give you any of those issues. And mm. a, a new feature too, that I didn't even know about until I started messing around with the settings is the fact that you can lock your exposure after recording. I don't know if you saw that. So, or sorry, lock your white balance. So I did see that. Yeah. Uh, that, that feature is great. You can flip that on and it's just auto white balance until you hit record. And then once you hit record, it just locks it. So it's really interesting that Apple is kind of like secretly adding these pro features in such a consumer product, but they're hiding it behind a lot of tabs and settings. And when you do use the built-in camera app, it's really easy and quick. So like if you really just don't care about shutter speed and whatnot, you can lock your white balance at least, shoot mm -hmm. log with the built-in camera app and it, it's going to look great. But obviously you don't know what your shutter speed is. You don't know what your ISO is. You yeah. don't even know what your white balance is. You're just kind of trusting that it's going to get it right, which it does do pretty well, pretty accurately. But if you want that control using an app like the Blackmagic camera app, kind of has everything you need there. You can shoot shutter angle, lock it to 180 degrees, lock your ISO, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, so. you say that it's a very consumer product, which obviously it's iPhone but they have been claiming pro for a while. <laughs> and also it is hidden in air quotes, but if you buy any camera and turn it on, it's always in all auto everything. And it takes like 30 minutes to set up the camera, like going through all the settings and turning off auto this, auto that, auto this, auto that. So it's kind of the same thing with the phone. You, you have to go into the set. Like if you're getting the iPhone 15 mm. pro and you're intending on using it for video and you don't go into the camera settings, there's something wrong with you. It's like you have to. It's like you have to go in the settings and, and tweak your stuff so that you can actually know what it's doing. I just don't understand uh, yeah. why you wouldn't. <laughs> For sure. I mean, so what are your what are your takeaways with the camera? Have you messed around with it at all? Of course, yeah. I mean, I, we, we kind of already touched on it for the most part. I think it's the best, it's just the best iPhone in terms of the camera for video specifically out there. And if you are doing any sort of cell phone video work, the, the iPhone 15 Pro is the only option, I think, right now uh, for the for the best results. I think the image looks great. I am surprised at how well it holds the highlights. I'm surprised that it doesn't look overly sharped and that it doesn't look like it doesn't really look like it's shot on a small sensor sometimes it can but for the most part it kind of just looks good yeah so it's it's very i feel like we're not giving apple enough credit like on the internet people are just like yeah it's just got apple log it's cool it's like do you guys see how like there was a lot of work put into this because it's a good looking log it holds a lot of dynamic range it's clean it's soft it's got a nice it's sharp, but it still has that filmic kind of softness. It doesn't have that iPhone sharpening it. Like they clearly worked with filmmakers and I know they have a, a pro team in-house that basically they employ people in Hollywood who are actually actively working in Hollywood, but they're employees of Apple and they're consultants to Apple yeah. essentially. And so you can clearly see that, you know, 
they had some colorists work with them. They had real DPs probably tuning the image. Like, well, it's just, really good. They're just probably taking advantage of the Apple TV crew, you know, sure. that they have acquired over the last couple of years <clears throat> um, and putting them to work extra. Yeah, it's it's exciting. It's cool. And if you haven't played with it or tried it out or you're holding out, I think it's a probably a solid upgrade. I mean, even just from the 14, like the 14 to the 15, that's a good upgrade. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 pretty good. I mean, here's the thing. The truth is is and I don't know if you saw this, Connor, but the 14 and the 15 have the exact same cameras and the same sensors. It's the it is the same. There's like newer coatings apparently, but okay. it's the same cameras with the so, exception of the 5X. So what I'm hearing then is that the 14 Pro is probably capable of Mm-hmm. log it's just they're not going to give it to us yeah okay. and there's also yeah there's some other oh, software cheeky. features here and there there could be you know potentially some things that you know it's a newer processor inside of it so it's probably doing some some new things here and there but <clears throat> yeah i think it's a bit unfortunate that yeah i mean like if you want log you do have to go over to the 15 but i do think this is this is a big shift if you wanted to shoot video on a, on an iPhone in particular, and it's worth the upgrade if if you take it seriously and you actually are a professional, you know, video shooter and you're going to use your phone. And I do think that this now stands up to a normal like camera. You could shoot in ProLog and this, and use it as a wonderful wide B cam, you know, for a lot of situations for sure. You could totally get away with it. The biggest. Um, downside is just going to be that it, it just sucks up information so it's just huge files yeah um, exactly. so you're going to burn through storage using this not just on your phone but even if you plug in ssd you know it's like yeah. it, it is going to take up a ton of space so that probably is its biggest downside there's not really a like a smaller file format version of mm. log like we talked about you said that they probably could do it with h.265 but they're just not doing it yet yeah and and the solution for me like if i were to use this as a primary tool i would always shoot an apple log what i would do is probably buy one of those samsung they just released the new one the t9 yeah i would just buy like i'd buy like a two terabyte and then that would probably be enough you know for most shoot days even though (laughs) it'll burn you know two terabytes is a lot of storage but you know you only get i think you get like 300 minutes or, or so but what I would do then is do the method that I don't know if you remember, Connor, with the one DC that I used to do, I would like ingest the card and then basically re-encode it to like a lower, yeah. uh, like a smaller size before I start editing. So basically just plug in your SSD to your, your computer and then essentially just immediately transcode everything to HEVC yeah. using either compressor or media encoder from Adobe and just having all your files being stored on your local, you know, your main work drive as whatever that new codec is. And then you could just format the card and just re- rinse and repeat, you know, because when you shoot HEVC or when you shoot ProRes 422 log on the, on the iPhone and you convert it to H.265 using whatever, you know, again, I would use compressor because that's what I have with Apple, but you're not necessarily losing a ton of <clears throat> quality because it's still 1080p or sorry, it's still 10 4K. bit and 4k and all that. So um, yeah. that's what I would do if I were 
but that is a that is a kind of a hiccup in the workflow. You know, that would slow you down if you're using it. But yeah, um, it's it, it's just something to consider. But it's still cool that we have it, and I look forward for sure. to them updating that and hopefully giving us better, smaller file size options in the future. So yeah, the iPhone 15 Pro is very exciting. But Dave, within the last was it two weeks or so, you actually went to Vid Summit. Can you tell yeah. me a bit about how that went? Sure. Yeah. Last week I was in Dallas, Texas at Vid Summit. And the journey to get there is an interesting journey that I don't know I will reveal now, but I will say that I'm working on a really fun and a, and I'm very excited about this project, a new kind of main video entertainment focused video. And Connor and Zach both were a huge part of that production. We shot it together in Nashville a ton of fun. I'm just going to tease that here, but that mm-hmm. did have a little bit to do with my trip to Vid Summit. Yeah, um, I'm very excited for when that comes out. Me too. And I do have kind of like a built-in timeline because my wife is due in three weeks with our third child. So Yay. I'm hoping to to get that done before then. So, but yeah, and obviously that was a bit of a concern too, with me going to Vid Summit. I was a little little concerned that, you know, she would go into labor while I'm in Dallas, which would not be fun. But thankfully, everything is good. But that being said, Vid Summit, if you're not familiar, is kind of like the kind of the best version of VidCon, I guess you could say. VidCon has become a bit of a fan place for fans to come and hang out and see their favorite creators and stuff. Exactly. And there used to be, and I think we went the in 2018, I think was the first one that, did you go was with it, me or was I by was myself? That a, was that a long, that was a long time. I <clears> did go to one with you. It's either 2018 yeah. or 2019. I don't remember. Yeah. That's the one that you went to with me. And that's actually where we met Armando for the first time. And oh, that's also. Was it, was it mm-hmm. there? I thought it was NAB, but maybe you're right. No. Yeah. And, and that was also when I decided, my wife and I decided we were going to move to California because <clears throat> went to Vid, VidCon and I met Jevin, I met Armando, I met Farak, I met Kitty, met, you know, I think I even met Justine there at that one. And I was like, man, I got to move to California. This is so cool, you know. And so, yeah. anyways, different times. Different times. Yeah. So, Vid Summit was created by a guy named Daryl Eves, who wrote a book called The YouTube Formula. And he's been a YouTube kind of consultant mastermind for like, Ever since YouTube was created, he's behind some of the biggest channels in the world. He's, you know, also, he's also one of the producers on The Chosen, if that says anything. So very successful business guy. He started it and then it started growing and growing and Mr. Beast like pitched in and now Mr. Beast owns it. And then I think Space Station also owns a third of it as well. So Space Station, which is a YouTube agency company. Daryl Eves and Mr. Beast, all three of them kind of own this, this thing together. So what's cool is like, it's a show made for creators by people who are actively involved in the industry, who are not just trying to like do a bunch of fan service, but they are trying to like educate and build up a YouTuber. So the whole thing just is, is really great. Lots of big creators spoke at the events, you know, obviously Jimmy, Mr. Beast spoke. I was looking forward to both Eric and Ryan Trahan speaking, but both of them canceled. Ryan Trahan got sick. I hope he's feeling better. I don't know why Eric quit or, or canceled, but 
the the best thing for me was just seeing the faces of a lot of the creators that I've been following for years, seeing some familiar faces. You know, I saw Sydney Deong's in, I saw Brandon Lee, I saw a handful of other, you know, Brandon Washington was there. He lives in Texas, so it was a fairly close trip for him. And and then Lucas from Condor Blue and Hobie were there as well, so that was fun. And but what's interesting is I've, I've mentioned this before in the podcast, but I've really kind of stumbled into doing thumbnails for a lot of different creators. I've recently been doing work for Curtis Connor, who's a, a comedian, and that is uh, so cool. By the way, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, I mean it's just it's interesting how it happened. Yeah, but I I don't even know how to explain how it happened. It was just he I he saw my work on Twitter and uh, Twitter. Twitter is how it happened on X. Yeah. And, and then Max Fosh as well, British comedian as well. So I love that I get to work with those guys because I'm very like aspirationally, like the two of them, I really look up to, I really respect their opinion. I really think they have great ideas. Yeah. Their, their videos are both fantastic. So the fact that I get to, oops, sorry. Yeah. So I was just saying like, obviously because of a lot of the, and then I'm doing all the thumbnails for the editing podcast, Mm -hmm. as well as Hayden Hillier Smith's work and a handful of other people frame Voyager. I did a lot of his stuff over the summer. And uh, yeah, so because of that, people started kind of coming up to me at VidSummit referencing thumbnails. Oh, you're the thumbnail guy on Twitter. (laughs) So it's like, it's so weird. I went from Dave Mays, camera guy, to now it's like, DVD Altizer, the thumbnail guy on X, you know, it's like, whoa, that's a, that was such a quick shift. People yeah. are identifying me as something that I've only done for two months, really, or three well, months now. I mean, obviously it's, it's a big deal because these creators, they're, you know, very talented people, very well respected in their field. And so they get a lot of eyes. So you're going to get a little extra yeah. attention from that. Sure. Cause like, for example, like what are, for people who are listening and they want to see some of the work you did, what are some of the videos that you did thumbnails for, for Curtis or Max? So, I mean, if, if you're watching this right now and you go to Curtis's channel, the last two are, are mine. And what's really cool is the, the one that we just did this weekend that he posted this weekend got number one on trending in the U S and in Canada. So it was number one on trending above Drake was my little thumbnail that I edited on the airplane flying home from vid summit. So yeah, that one's called, I took a, a vision healing masterclass. And the text on the thumbnail says glasses are evil because there's this chick that he takes this course by that claims that if you like meditate enough, you can basically heal your vision. She's (laughs) she, I watched the video. She's a psycho a little bit for sure. (laughs) (laughs) And then, and then stop filming strangers. That one was the first one I did for him. So, I mean, if you look at the thumbnails without knowing kind of the meta of like thumbnail world, and especially if you don't know Curtis's work, you may, you may look at those and think, wow, those are really bad. (laughs) But believe it or not, there's actually a crap ton of intentionality behind every ounce of that thumbnail. And even though, yes, it it's actually intentionally designed to look a little lo-fi because that's always been Curtis's style, whether that was intentional or not, you know, whether it was just simply because he didn't have the chops to, to do anything else. 
But I think it, it obviously works really well within the commentary niche because everybody essentially adopted Curtis's design language. And I did talk to him about that. I was like, did you come up with this like yellow text with like kind of crappy Photoshop work? And he was like, I think I'm the first one that did that. So like a lot of like Danny Gonzalez and what's his other, uh, what's the other guy that did the, you know, even Cody Co kind of has that style a little bit too. Um, yeah. It might be like the, it's like the commentator Gooden. space all kind of use that same yeah. style, but Curtis so, might've started it. Yeah. So basically what I'm trying to do with Curtis and it's really hard, honestly, is figuring out how to ride that line between <clears throat> keeping that kind of lo-fi look, but elevating it slightly. So just cleaning it up a little bit more, simplifying it even more, using some of the tricks of light, love light wrapping and noise reduction and adding film grain and, and, and stuff like that. And then obviously having a basic understanding of composition. I think that's maybe, maybe one of my tricks or whatever is just knowing what looks good compositionally, because a lot of people don't have that photography background, I guess. I don't know. I don't know right. what it is, but I'm grateful for it. I'm, I'm loving it. And then Max Fosh, his last couple of videos, I, I, I did. He he had someone else do the uh, the paintball one, but I did the uh, I stole Mr. Beast DNA to make cheese. That's the title of that one. So good. And I opened a restaurant that only serves stolen leftovers. I did that one, and then the I legally committed armed robbery against my sister. That one I kind of did. He had to, he ended up finishing that one fully, and then I cooked a frozen meal in an active volcano. That was the first one I did for him, but. And then all of the editing podcasts, thumbnails and Hayden thumbnails. Anyways, that being said, one of my favorite kind of interactions was re-meeting a guy named Finn who does work for Ryan Trahan and, and is a blender artist. And and that was really cool. He well, We met a couple of years ago, but he does the thumbnails for Ryan. So really cool to meet him at the vid summit. So for me, it was all about meeting people. I met lots of great creators, a couple who actually listened to the show. So hello, those of you who know who you are. <laughs> hello. So yeah, so I'll specifically actually call out John Stam, who I know listens to the show and was at vid summit. So hi, John. How we doing, John? <clears throat> but yeah, I, I got to work with editing podcasts as well. We did a bunch of interviews we interviewed Dan Mace, Quebelkop, who's the AI guy, and Patty Galloway. So those shows will be coming soon on the editing podcast. And I just helped out with the production on that. So, But I did get to meet Dan, which was cool. I've been a fan of Dan Mace for a really long time. So it was cool to see him and to hear his philosophy on yeah. everything. They He works with a composer to to hand score every... Mr. Beast philanthropy video. And I thought that was so interesting. And he walked us through that process, but wow. every single Mr. Beast philanthropy, philanthropy video from beginning to end is custom scored by a composer that he works with. And, and Dan himself is a very talented musician as well. So it was cool to, to see his editing style and, and to see how he works with music in such a beautiful way. So that was really cool. That's really amazing. Dude, that sounds like a blast. I'll have to try to get to the next one. I was out of town when this one was going on on a job, so I couldn't go. Yeah, yeah, definitely worth it. If you're a YouTuber, it's worth it. 
it's a little pricey. You know, it's a thousand dollars for a ticket, which is crazy. But yeah, I think they do that so that it, it <clears throat> unincentivizes fans to attend. Yeah, a hundred percent. That's it's, exactly it, why it's. Yeah, it's like everybody. That's what I liked about it is that every person I met took YouTube seriously, and right. so because they're paying a thousand dollars to be there, you know, it's it. They they want to get their money's worth. They want to make sure that you know. <laughs> they're getting something out of it because they're investing so much. So, although to be fair, a lot of these creators are multimillionaires, so it's maybe not that big of a deal, but, <laughs> but yeah, I will say too, on a personal note, I met some really amazing Christian creators and we shared our faith and, and got to kind of encourage one another in that way too. So that was really uh, inspiring great. as well. So yeah. And I guess that's about it. I don't know. Yeah. What what's anything else that you want to talk about? I mean, <clears throat> you've got a big video coming out hopefully in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I'll keep that one to to myself for now. But I do I, I have been inspired by Dave. Thank you, Dave, and we'll see how it goes. But I I am working on a, a larger idea, and it is taking much longer than I expected. I started it at the end of August, and it's still not done. But it, it, you know, it is what it is. So hopefully in the next, I would get, I'm hoping for the next two weeks, hopefully it'll be finished, but don't hold me to it. <laughs> yeah. I remember when I had the Kinetika channel, it was like, come on, Dave, make something. And then it's like, then you get it and you're like, okay, now I think I know what you meant. And then it's like, come on, when are you going to finish that uh hundred movies video? And then now you're, it's like, okay, now I think I, I know what you're dealing yeah, with, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, I am working on it, but it is, it is, it you're is working taking... on it more than I did on hundred movies for sure. Yeah. And I, I am running into issues with a particular piece of the puzzle where I still don't have something that I need and it's something I can do until they ship it to me because the first one unfortunately did not work out. So I'm getting a second replacement. It doesn't make sense, but it will when you see the video. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'm excited to see it regardless. And we will all be patiently waiting for it. Take your time. YouTube doesn't care. <clears throat> no, YouTube Just doesn't care, it... but the sponsorship does. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Good point. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, this rambly Joe Rogany style. There's going to be a lot more where that came from. So hopefully uh, <laughs> you guys enjoyed it. Let us know. Follow us on Twitter for me, DVD Altizer. And Connor McCaskill, Connor underscore McCaskill at mm. Instagram. Shoot us a DM. Let us know that you listened all the way to the end, that you're a fan. Yeah. We I really appreciate a, uh, all of you guys. Yeah, I've gotten a few DMs from people. And I, I will say, I do appreciate seeing it. It lets us know that like, oh, yeah, we, we should record another episode because we get <laughs> busy with travel and life and all yeah. that stuff. And this gets pushed to the wayside. But we both enjoy doing it. So absolutely. Anyways. Yeah, we love you guys. Thank you for being here. Once again, I'm David Altizer. I'm Connor McCaskill. We'll see you next week. In two weeks? Three? Two weeks. Two. We'll see you we'll in we'll two Yeah, two weeks. Yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Although my <laughs> baby will probably be born at that time, if not, but we'll see. So, so one month. <laughs> <laughs> no, two weeks. See you in two weeks. Bye. <laughs>